7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Look, we we came here, you know, in Morocco to do business, and uh, we've done exactly that. And uh, we believe we could have done much better, but we are playing against a very good team. We are playing against a team that. Can you just uh, speak a little bit for the yeah. Zoom? Okay. Uh, I believe we played against one of the best teams in the continent, and uh, they, you know, put us under pressure for the 90, uh, for, for the entire 90 minutes. But uh, we were tactically disciplined. We were prepared because we knew what was their strength and the weaknesses, and we planned that we will sit back and be compact, wait for the right moment when we regain position, then try to hit them where we know that they also, you know, uh, lacking. And uh, yes, we managed to get uh, a goal, but our plan was to get at least two goals if possible. So, but we're still happy with the goal that we scored. And now we welcome them back at home in Johannesburg. We know it's not yet over. We still have 90 minutes to play, which is going to be a little bit tough also because they will come out, you know, guns blazing. You'll want to get a goal or two. But yes, uh, we'll be well prepared for them. Yeah, look. Uh, if you can look at our record, you know, I think we considered three goals and four goals, you know, in, in two games, which was not good for us. And we had to obviously do introspection and look at where we're lacking. And we had to work hard and prepare, uh, you know, thoroughly, you know, to make sure that we don't concede goals. And yes, uh, we realized that maybe defending, you know, we were too open at the back. We had to work on that, and yeah, it, it paid dividend today because we were very, very compact and disciplined. Okay, good evening, everybody, and uh, thanks for staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM Spot On. With me, Tabiso Mosia, Katlako Modiba produces the show, and Sylvester Komane is in technical with us this evening. We've opened with a clip of Kaiser Chiefs interim coach Ata Zwane after their heroic display in Morocco where they stunned the more fancied with a Casablanca 1-0 and I checked the odds before this game if you're a betting man you will understand this but Chiefs were 14-1 to with some bookmakers to win this first leg semi-final that is not right and if you're a betting person you will know sometimes you back the price just for being wrong I'm not a betting person so I didn't bet but they were 14-1 to and they pulled off a 1-0 win and that's just half the story because Chiefs survived a massive onslaught from Widad with 80% possession compared to Amakos' 20. Chiefs only having one shot on target which was a goal and Widad had 26 attempts at goal. But it's the result column that matters and Chiefs won regardless of how some people will look at it. I'm of the view that it was a well-disciplined defensive performance. You could see that Stuart Baxter worked with them throughout the week on their defense and they were well-structured and well-organized. So the second leg of this same, it's not over yet. As you heard from Coach Atazwane, the second leg is on Saturday in Johannesburg. It will be live on SABC from 6 p.m. on the various SABC Sport channels. And talking about SABC, shortly we're going to speak to the GM of SABC Sport, that's Gary Rathbone, about the statement that they released last week that the SABC will not be showing the visit of the British and Irish Lions due to a dispute with multi-choice and the GM will explain to us what exactly is happening here and uh, the media statement headline says reads super spot restrictions on free-to-air broadcasts of Springbok rugby inbound tour and then they go on to say we regret to inform the public that the free-to-air broadcast of the Springbok rugby's inbound tour matches including the visit of the Lions will not be possible due to right restrictions imposed by Supersport so we'll speak to the GM about that and then we built 
we did a build-up the whole week to the Bulls playing in the Rainbow Cup final. We even spoke to Coach Pine Pinar. Uh, they lost to Bennett in 35-8. So we're going to look back at that, what went wrong and what lessons do the Bulls take from that and other South African teams because they will now be playing in that new tournament. What is it called again? Oh, there's so many tournaments now you forget, but it's the new Pro 16, basically. It's just got a different name. You United Rugby Championship, that's what it's called. That's where our teams will be playing now. So we're going to see what lessons do we take from the way Benetton play or maybe the way the officiating was um, that so that our team can be better prepared. And we'll also touch on Wade Farnekarak. He's qualified for the Olympic Games. We spoke about it last week. Um, and Anno Malerbe, our guest, predicted that it will qualify, and he did, easily making, comfortably making that 44.90 there. Uh, but Casta didn't make it. She's got, I think she's got one more race, but our guest will tell us about Casta's chances of going to the Tokyo Games. And then we'll also look back at the golf, the US Open. Louis Osteisen, once again, finishing second in a major. It's the sixth, sixth time now that he's been runner-up in a major. He's only won it once, the 2010 Open, and six times as a bridesmaid. And David Usendorf actually um, told us last week that hey, he's got our best chance going into the US Open, but can he do it? We were hoping he could do it. We stayed up last night. And yeah, the T-shirt on 17, I think when we, when we saw that, then you, you knew it was over then. And a strong finish also from John Ram, take nothing away from him. But we'll look back at the golf with Dale Hayes. We don't have uh, voice notes. I think it's been an issue the whole day here at SAFM. So please uh, accept our apologies. Do not send us your voice notes now because they're not working. But we'll try and get through the show as, uh, as much as we can. Uh, the number to call is 0117142006. Tabiso Musiya. Let's start by speaking to the GM of SABC Sport, Gary Rathbone. After that statement that was released last Friday, we couldn't get into it, but we've invited him now just to get more clarity. Good evening, um, Gary, and thanks for speaking to us again on SAFM. Hey, to be so nice to speak to you again. Always good, mate. Yes, yes. But disappointing news here, Gary, that the visit of the British and Irish Lions tour will not be televised as well as the other matches. We're all looking forward to it. How disappointing is it for you guys? It's very disappointing for us. I mean, we were really looking forward to it as well. And, um, you know, I think there's millions of South Africans out there that were really looking forward to it that won't have access to it. Unless, of course, you know, Supersport do change their mind and, and, and take out that uh, rather unjustified and contentious clause that's creating all the problems. So what is the issue here then, Gary? Well, basically, they've put a clause into the, con- into the agreement, into the sub-license agreement, which we find basically untenable. It doesn't really work for us as far as uh, the SABC is concerned because it puts restrictions on term, you know, onto where, which um, free-to-air platform, well, which, not to which platforms, but which platforms we can distribute our free-to-air channels onto, basically. So it's saying to us, basically, what the clause says is that you can, if you put this game on SABC, you can only post it, you can only put this game, these games onto either one, two, or three. You can't put it on the sports channel. So that's the first restriction. And then the secondly, you can only carry it, it can only be seen if it's people are watching it on the um, on a terrestrial service, and, um, and so if it's on Open View or Talcom One or any other platforms like that, um, you can't we can't carry the game. So that just to me is it's just you know, we're saying look this is this is ridiculous. You know the the, the question here is that. You know, we have free-to-air channels that are available to all, should be available to all South Africans, regardless of how they access the SABC. The point is, it's only on the SABC. These will only be on the SABC. But the fact that the channels are carried on different platforms, that's just the way of the future. That's the way all things are going. I think people have forgotten the fact that um, that within by this time next year, all the analog transmitters will be switched off. 
so um, you know everything will be operating in the digital space. So you know, I think they, 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 they you know what I mean. I, I don't know. We don't, we, we, we don't understand why they've done it and why they're sticking by this because it isn't, it doesn't make sense at all. Okay, well, I was going to ask you why, but why do you think they don't want you to use the other platforms then, even though you don't understand it? Well, here's the thing. No, I do. We do understand it. The thing is, is basically they're trying to restrict our ability to grow both our sports channel and to to sort of you know allow the SABC to 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 kind of you know take benefit from both you know greater audiences around sport as well as greater revenues because they feel maybe for the sports channel for example they feel that as a threat now to them the fact that they, they it can there now exists a 24/7 um sports channel with decent content on it that is actually free to air that doesn't require a subscription maybe they consider that you know what I mean a, a threat in, a, at some level but regardless of that basically you know in in a sort of in an ordinary competitive society is these kinds of things the SABC is entitled to have a sports channel and and make that work you know, so yeah. so you know, and 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 the fact is that you know, it's a, the, we have a mandate when it comes to national teams to kind of get these things to as many people as possible. Yeah. So for them to say, well, you can only only people who are watching it on this channel or on that platform can watch it, but people, if you're watching the SAB channel on that platform, you can't watch it. Is just you know what I mean. It just goes against the spirit of what we're trying to achieve. You know, through through the ACASA regulations of making sure that all you know, the, all the free to air sport that the SABC has, all the SABC channels, and all the content that is available on them is available to all South Africans. You've mentioned ICASA. I mean, this is a national sporting event, or it's a national team, and yeah. you've always educated educated us about the rights and the free to air rights since we started speaking to you on this show. Shouldn't though, a sporting um, events of national importance be on the public broadcaster? Shouldn't ICASA then intervene here? Well, you know, someone has to intervene because we have raised, we've spoken to, to Supersport about this and we've asked them, we put our position rather reasonably forward and said, listen, you know, we really think that this is, this doesn't, this is, this is restrictive, unnecessarily restrictive. I mean, we're quite happy to take restrictions from them to, to make sure that we don't undermine the value that they pay for. They pay a lot of money for these rights and we're very mindful of that and I certainly don't want to undermine that. That's why the games for us will be delayed. They won't be live, they'll be delayed because that's part of the agreement. But we've gone to them yeah. and said to them, you know what I mean? But this, this, this clause basically is, is, is unnecessarily restrictive yeah. because, um, you know, you, you know, it, all, all it's doing basically, there's no real, it's not as though that there's an immediate factor that's going to change super sports position in yeah. this at all. Basically, they'll still have all the games live to all their subscribers. Their subscribers won't be affected at all. But it does mean that a swathe of South Africans who might not who want to watch it, who have open view, want to watch it on an open view platform or are traveling or outside of their, their area where they are and would like to watch it through, you know, on watch the, the SABC sports channel on Talcom One. You, you know, you know that, that that they can't get it. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, we, 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 we don't see see where this is going. And, and, we, and, and you talk about a castle. The key thing here, basically, is that we've called it. A castle on this out on this in this issue a couple of times. We've asked for them to regulate to the uh, for the unbundling of sports rights because mm. here's the real problem: we're a free-to-air broadcaster. But you still license sub-licensing them from them. Why are we sub-licensing from a broadcaster that doesn't have free-to-air properties? So why mm. do they have those free-to-air rights in the first place? 
That's the problem for me right up there. We should negotiate our free-to-air rights directly with SA Rugby or the rights holders, the rights owners of this of of the Lions Tour. Basically, we shouldn't be um, license, we shouldn't be negotiating free-to-air rights with a pay TV broadcaster. For, you know, I mean, for for a major um, player in the media space to be allowed to have the rights that they don't actually they can't activate, but then become the gatekeeper for. Another player in the in, in the in, in the in the same media space, and so they can dictate the terms for that. That's just unreasonable. It's it, and it's anti-competitive, if you ask me. Yeah, and just before I take a call from Deb and from Jack, who wants more clarity, just to put things into perspective, when you talk about free-to-air rights, is that the reason why SABC can show FA Cup and SuperSport can also show FA Cup because FA Cup gives you the free-to-air exactly. rights? Exactly, exactly. And in fact, that's what I wanted to say is that the no other contracts that we've done, FA Cup, Bundesliga, or anything else like that. Even my contract with with Cricket South Africa, the movie we did because we dealt directly with with Cricket South Africa and not um, sublicensed those cricket rights through SuperSport. Even those rights. Nowhere does it say this thing where it says only on one, two, and three and terrestrial broadcast. The, the, the distinction is very, very clear. As long as the, the the content is free to air, and as long as it's it's a on a, a standalone a proper channel, basically, and it's a live simulcast of that channel. In other words, what we can't do is we can't take that content out and separate it and put it separately onto a uh, an OTT or another platform and things like that. As long as it's part of our SABC Sports Channel, SABC One, Two, and Three, and it's free to air. It doesn't really matter what platform it appears on. That's how all other rights are set up. It's only Supersport that have created this thing, and it's an artificial um, clause that they've created specifically to both undermine, I think, what we're trying to do in the growing the SABC Sports Channel and, and, and reaching out into the free-to-air space, um, as well as trying to sort of artificially protect what they see as their, you know what I mean, an area which they, they're dominant in. Does the same go for PSL also? Well, unfortunately, this is where this all starts, actually, because it's in the PSL contract as well. And it's part of the problem. At the moment, we are actually having to block all our PSL games on SABC1 um, if they appear on like Telcom 1 because they say, you know what I mean, because because of this. And it creates a huge problem. So it means, it means that the, if you're watching the SABC, SABC1 on um, you know on 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 an anal- on the analog terrestrial space, you'll watch the PSL game. But if you're watching um, SABC One on any other platform, yeah. you won't see that PSL game. And that just to me is just pointless and ridiculous. Actually, how can can, can such a re- such a position be allowed to stand? Okay, let me just take a call from Deb and Jack. Are you still there? Yes, sir. Let how are you? Fine, thanks, and you, sir. Good. Uh, you know what? I'm very angry about multi choice. We as South Africans. We subscribe to multi-choice. Now, we have to take the stand. We, as South Africans, to support the poor who don't have DSTV. We have to stop our subscriptions to multi-choice for about three months and see what multi-choice will do after that. Because I'm very angry with multi-choice. They have to support the poor as well. They want to support themselves and get rich. We as a poor people suffer the consequences. Yes, and we that, need mm. to stand up to multi-choice as mm. South Africans. I thank you, Tabiso. Thanks, Jack. And that's a view of many people, uh, not only on this issue, but on previous issues. A lot of people have voiced their unhappiness. And by the way, we did reach out to multi-choice. Um, they don't do media engagements from what they've 
they've, they've, they've told us, and they've told us this over the years also, but they have given us a statement. I'll read it shortly. But Gary, just on this point raised by Jack, so when, I just want to understand for clarity, when SABC has the rights to the Hollywood Bet Super League, right? And yes. then multi-choice carries SABC 191, and yes. they get to show that game um, on 191 while we are showing yes. it on SABC 1. Is it Great. not the same thing that they don't want SABC to do, or am well, I understanding it incorrectly? Well, no, absolutely. You, you, you're absolutely correct, basically, in that, in that sense. Because, I mean, they don't officially have the rights to um, that, that content, actually, because they've got no agreement with SAFA and Hollywood Bets to carry that game. So they benefit from the fact that they can, because of the must-carry regulations that ICASA imposed a while ago, um, they get all our sports content that we get exclusively for free. And they can benefit from that. And, and absolutely, but in, you know, you talk about that actually in, in, in the agreement, you know, they, 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 they would put there basically to say that this situation with one, two, that, that we can only not allow to put it on any other platform unless it's terrestrial. They say, except for DSTV, of course, because DSTV is not terrestrial. So they make an exception for themselves in this ruling, but they don't actually make an exception for anybody else. Okay, before I read their statement, which they've sent to us a short while ago, uh, let me just not keep the wise men waiting here. KGM, in the, uh, we always in, well, sometimes you're in the Northern Cape. I don't know where you are tonight, but good evening. Thanks for calling us, KGM. Good, good evening, Tabiso. Good evening to your guest and to my fellow listeners. Look, you, you know, Tabiso, if, if I give you a business and I say um, you should manage it for me, one of the most important things that I should do is to give you um the tools that you need to make that business run profitably so and sustainably. Now, the issue here is not a, a multi-choice problem. The issue is, is our government, our, our government's mm. problem. And mm. I'll tell you why. Um, multi-choice does not regulate itself. Mm. So, so is ICASA for that matter. Now, the people who pushes the, the likes of your guests, put them in, in, in hot seats, and expect them to, to perform miracles, are the very hypocrites that we call our leaders. Because we can sit here and talk about this all we want. But the, the bottom line is, who allows these things to happen? It's our government. Who has the power to, to turn these things around? It's our government. So my, my, my plea to the likes of, of your, your, your guest, and even including ourselves as, as the, 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 the people in this country, we, we've let government get away with murder for a long time. If you look at the, the composition of the shareholding in, in, in the, in, in the multi-choice business, you'll understand why they, they seclude and do things the way they do them to their own benefits. Just go to the shareholder, look at the structure, go to CIPC and see who are the shareholders in multi-choice. Then you'll get the answer. Yes, and, 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 and I know they've got somebody yeah. there at Multichoice that works with government stakeholder relations. I'm not sure exactly in detail what they do, but they've got somebody for that specific role there, KGM. Um, Absolutely. And we, I think we can understand why, right? Yeah, no, we do. We do. I, it's deliberate and, and it, it's meant to frustrate us. Right now we will say we, we, will, we will not go uh, the, the route of paying them, but the truth of the matter is, They've indoctrinated us to believe in their systems and will keep on paying even when we are not happy. That's the sad part. Thanks, KGM. Gary, does he have a point there uh, that ultimately the authorities must put their foot down because you've 
You've gone to Ikasa, you've presented your case to Ikasa, but yeah. it seems like we're still not winning this. Well, 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 certainly we are very, I mean, I wouldn't blame, obviously, government as a whole, basically, because I think there's a lot of people that are willing to actually kind of listen to the position now and change things. But certainly we are very frustrated with um, the fact that on certain issues, ECASA have failed to listen to us, and particularly on this issue of unbundling the rights, basically, so that free-to-air broadcasters can negotiate free-to-air agreements and the pay-TV guys can negotiate their pay-TV agreements. And, and and until that is legislated for, you know what I mean? I mean I've taken the position that, that because the, in all the con- content that they have where they've got this kind of a situation, uh, Supersport, you know, would, would put the same clause in, I'm sure. And and that's why I've decided, I'm you know, any foreign content that they have and they would like to sub-license it to us, I'm not going to take that content because, um, you know, it's a luxury content. And if people really want to watch it, well, they can, you know, you can find, but I'm not going to spend... You know, South African, you know, government, you know, SABC's revenue on, uh, you know what I mean, content that we can't commercialize properly, we can't kind of um, broadcast everybody properly. Um, and so, so I, I won't take that. But when it comes to sports of the national interest, you know, something like this, I mean, we have to take it. We're obliged to take it. But at the same time, you know, We've got to draw the line and say we we won't because this is what happens. They, they they're thinking as well. They have to take it. So whatever we put in here, they'll have to accept it in the end because well, they just have to basically. So we can put anything in there basically, and they will have to accept it. And we're just saying this ABC. Sorry, no, we're just not going to accept this rubbish anymore, basically. Either you treat us fairly and you have more respect for South Africans as a whole. Or, you know what I mean, we just knock it, you know what I mean? Then, and then it will become a government issue because then the government has to say, well, how are we going to deal with this? Because now the people won't be able to get to watch this content. So, you know, it, 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 you know what I mean? The only way we can actually make people take this seriously is by doing what we're doing now, by making a press statement saying, okay, this is where we draw the line. Either everybody's got to now get on board and fix this thing so that the SABC can move forward properly and serve South Africans, you know what I mean, across the board, no matter where they're watching the SABC, or, you know what I mean, this whole, the whole idea of what it costs is trying to do and trying to sort of balance between the two very unsuccessfully, um, it, you know, it's going to fail. Okay, and here's their response because they said they don't do media engagements on these issues, but they, they said we can feel free to read their response. And it goes, yep. the SABC has rejected the offer made by Supersport to broadcast the Lions tour on their licensed broadcasting services. The SABC now rejects terms and conditions which it accepted when sub-licensing content of other sporting codes from Supersport. This rejection deprives its viewers of watching the Lions tour. Multichoice does not believe that a term of the offer precluding SABC making the content available to third parties will with whom the SABC has concluded commercial agreements is anti-competitive. It would undermine the value of multi-choice's investment in acquiring the rights. And that's from Supersport. Okay, I, I mean, I can, I've got answers for, for all of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, it just, it just, it just doesn't make sense on a number of levels. And and the first thing is that they, they, this idea that that we are that that we are going to make this content available to our commercial partners that they talk about, it's not available. OpenView or Telcom One are just platforms on which the content is distributed. It's the, there's no commercial, I mean, for example, OpenView has no commercial agreement between us and Supersport. We are not making the content available to e-media, basically, or to e-TV. It's only available on the SABC Sports Channel. OpenView is one platform amongst many. Centec deliver our distribution signal. Centec also have DTH distribution as well. Are they going to say, well, you can't distribute your, 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 your channels on, on Centec? 
I mean, it's absolutely absurd. The same would you would go to say is that because you distribute your channel through a, pers- a, a, a certain thing. So the only thing we have is a carriage agreement. In other words, for, for, for OpenView, we pay OpenView to carry the SABC channel on their platform. In the same way that MultiChoice pays UTELSAT to distribute their content to South Africans via satellite. So you don't hear the EPL saying, Sorry, we're gonna, we, we have to stop you broadcasting because you're actually making your content available to Utelsat because they're not. Utelsat is just distributing the signal for them, basically. It's not, you know what I mean? There's no real um, equivalence here at, at, at all in, 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 that, in, in, that, in, that, in that respect. And also what I read is that they're saying, besides the commercial aspect of it, you're just making their content available to a third party that they're not happy with. Yeah, well, as I said, we're not making it available to a third party. The party that we're making available to is the SABC Sports Channel, SABC 1 and SABC 2 and SABC 3. That's who we're making it available to. The fact that it is distributed on a, a different platform, basically, or on various platforms, that's, that's, that's not making it available. We're not making it available to OpenView directly. There's no commercial value to OpenView in terms of that they're getting any revenue from it or they're getting advertising revenue from it. They have no, there's no agreement. We pay them a fee to, for them to carry that signal for us. And the fact as well is that this is exactly the way things are going forward into the future because I think people are not, are not thinking far enough ahead because this time next year, when all the analog uh, transmitters are switched off, then the pool of people that can access content only on a terrestrial, terrestrial medium is going to be even smaller. So that's why the SABC right now is trying to get its, chan- its channels onto many different platforms so that people can access it in many different ways. That's all about, the whole point about it is just trying to make sure that people can access the SABC channels, not about OpenView or anybody else. And, and this is just a misrepresentation of the facts that they're trying to, to, to play with here. And, and, and that's why you can't just show these games on one, two or three, because people have different ways of where they access TV or where they watch content now. People don't just watch TV the old way that they used to. Exactly. And it's going to be even more so next year. And this deal that we're talking about is a three-year agreement. So um, it means that, like next year, when when, when once analog switched off and we on a lot, lot of platforms, that means it gets it gets even harder. So if we accept that we could say, yeah, right, we could accept this now. But the point being is that when the Lions tour is over, when we come to next year's, suddenly there's even less people that can access it because the the the, the fact that the terrestrial pool will be much smaller. Just finally, here on social media, Bruce, just for clarity, had you say that um, you were going to show the games delayed live and wants to know that. Is that also a restriction? Do they, do, does oh. MultiChoice tell you what time to show the games? Yes. So that's the other thing I've meant. That's they, they talked about in their press release. The other thing I forgot as well yeah. is that they, they, they saying, talking about that, that we would, we're undermining the value of their rights, basically, if we do this. But the fact is that we're actually have accepted a lot of concessions in terms of how we take these games. And one of them is the fact that we are happy to let them go delayed. So we'll say, fine, you guys have it live, and then we'll have it delayed. So we're very cognizant of the fact that they need to actually maintain the value that they've invested in these in these rights, and they, that their subscribers will get first pick of it. Not a problem with that. We understand that, and we're very happy to be, uh, you know what I mean, to kind of be aware of what their needs are as well, because there's place for everybody here. It's not just a matter of one winner and everybody else must lose. There's an opportunity here to create a kind of win-win where everybody can actually benefit. And actually the real winner here is the South African public. Yeah. So do you think so we're prepared to do that, okay. but they are not prepared to actually 
you know what I mean, allow us a bit of leeway to at least be able to put the matches onto our, um, allow the matches to run on our channel, regardless of where people watch it. Have we reached a dead end now? Is there hope? Well, we. This is why we're taking it to the public now. We've made this public statement because mm. this is this is uh, we. You mean this is what we need to make people aware, and we, we're hoping that that maybe we can actually try and get some, you know, get some common sense to prevail here, and and that, that there can be a, 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 a change of heart, and 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 maybe a better understanding of of the position that 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 we're in here, basically, and that we're not trying to undermine their rights. We're not trying to undermine the value of their rights. We just want to be able to show. Everybody that watches the SABC channels, wherever they watch it, the national team in action, basically. And it's that simple. And they, they, we're saying, sorry, you can't dictate to us. You can, you sub-license the free-to-air rights, and we will distribute those free-to-air rights on our SABC channels, however we see fit, because that's what we have to do as the national broadcaster. And as long as they feel that they have to actually tell us what we, you know what I mean, how we can broadcast, when we can broadcast, we can do that to a degree when we know that it's going to affect them, like in terms of delaying the games and all that sort of thing. It's fine. But in this case, I'm sorry, you know what I mean? It's just a, a line too far. Okay. Now, let's leave it there for now. Thanks for the clarity, um, Gary, and the, for the insight. Thanks very much, Tabisa. Always great. Thanks. That's the GM of SABC Sport, Mr. Gary Rathbone. They're talking to us about this um, deadlock, basically, with Supersport over the broadcast of the inbound tour. The Lions are coming here. Georgia's coming in. The irony of this is yesterday I was watching TV and then Sia Kulisa, the box captain, pops up on TV telling people, yeah, get DSTV, get all of these things so that you can watch the, watch the British and Irish Lions tour. Get the, um, I don't know, what is it called? Is it premium, the expensive one? Get this and you can watch the Lions tour. And this is the same Sia Kulisa that was telling us that when he was a youngster, he he couldn't even afford to watch um, Springbok matches on TV. He had to go to a tavern to go watch matches uh, because they just couldn't afford. And now they're using him to encourage people to get the expensive um, premium or whatever it is so that they can watch the national team there. It just doesn't sit well. It just doesn't sound right. But anyway, yeah, that's what that's what comes with the game. That's what, that's what comes with sport on and off the field drama. We're going to look at on the field action now. Thankfully, there was some rugby to report on. And we are joined on the line by uh, Cape Sports editor Ashfaq Mohammed. We'll just take a quick break. He's been kind enough to speak to us again this evening and we don't take it for granted. Okay, let's look at on the field matters now. I don't want Ashfaq to be involved in this politics of broadcasting. Ashfaq, thanks for speaking to us again on SAFM. We really appreciate it. Hi, Tabisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ashfaq. Um, what did you make of the Bulls' loss in Italy there, 35-8 to Benetton? Yo, can we not speak about <laughs> it? <laughs> was it that bad? Was it as bad as the scoreboard? Hey, it was bad. Hey, like like we would say in the classics, it was a paxla for, for the Bulls, you know. Um, but uh, really, they were nowhere. They were mm. nowhere. Um, despite, even even though they got to eight, eight points all in the first half of the conceding early try, they were just never in the game. Um, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for them. You know, uh, I know they were missing a few Springbok players and others were injured and mm. all of that. But the team that they had, most rugby people in the Southern Hemisphere would have expected them to beat Benetton. But of course, we don't know much of Benetton. I mean, an Italian club, but uh, there's quite a few foreign players in there, including the captain, Diawal Duvenacher, the former Stormers Kramov. Yes. Um, you know, so 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 they 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 well well coached team. Kieran Crowley was is a New Zealander who was a coach, long time coach. He's now going to become the Italy head coach. 
So, so you know, he's a proper coach, oh. and, and he clearly studied the Bulls and knew what was coming. And, you know, whereas the South African teams uh, over the last year or so haven't been able to handle, despite knowing what's coming from the Bulls, Benetton certainly came up with a plan, you know, and they disrupted the Bulls in the set pieces. The line-out didn't function. The, yes, the scrum was good, but they were hardly any scrums, you know. But just in terms of the physicality, rush defense, the Bulls just almost like I, I wrote in one of my stories, like a deer in the headlights. they just so shell-shocked, they didn't know what hit them. That's what I was about to ask, actually. Were they shell-shocked? Did they lose to a better team or did they just not pitch up? Look, I think it's a bit of all of that, to be honest. Um, because if you look on paper, you would you would think that the Bulls were probably a better team. Although Benetton's got a lot of Italian internationals. But we know Italy have been struggling for a long time. So, you know, as as much as they are test players, uh, uh, they haven't been playing very well for Italy. But uh, still at club level, uh, uh, they are test players compared to maybe some of the Bulls. Youngsters who are coming through who haven't been exposed to international rugby in terms of super rugby in the past, that would have happened, you know. They would have played against Australian and New Zealand teams. But because of COVID happened and then there's no international travel allowed in terms of rugby, um, these youngsters haven't played at that level yet. Um, but even the more experienced players, the captain Marcel could see on the day had a game to forget despite being brilliant up to up the, in the last two games for the Bulls. You know, Ivan Fancel also Springbok scrum off also battled on the day. So, yeah, just everything. Wrong options. I felt early on they had a few penalties. They opted to kick to touch instead of taking the three points. And eventually they did score from one. But I think just, just to calm things down early on, get the three points, get back into the game, uh, it may have become a different result. I know uh, Chris Smith received a lot of some criticism, people saying he's not Mornestein, but I understand Mornestein was with the Springbok. What was the thinking here? Did it come from the box that their players must be in camp and not play in this final? Yes, yes, yes. It, it was a director from Mr. Rugby, so all the guys who, who made the squad uh, for the Georgia Test in Lions series weren't able to play in the final. So, so you know, even even some like Dwayne Vermeulen, even if he had to be 30, oh, he, he wouldn't play played. anyway. Yeah, oh. yeah. And with our teams going into this new competition now, Ashfaq, URC, what lessons do we take from that performance or from how Benetton plays or from the officiating? Is there anything that, that stood out for you? Yeah, certainly squad depth will be an issue because if you don't have your top players, whether it's through national call-ups or injuries, you're going to battle. And that is why, you know, people have been having a go at the Bulls a bit for buying up every possible player they can get from overseas. But there's a reason why Jake White is doing that, because he knows he's coaching in France before, so he's coaching European competition before. You're going to have a situation like we had last week where the Bulls played two matches on one day, the Rainbow Cup final and the Curry Cup, you know. And in the Curry Cup game, they lost to some Prawns because they had a bunch of Varsity Cup players and, and, and club players, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I think only two guys had contacts or previous Curry Cup experience. So, you know, to avoid that kind of scenario going forward, you're going to need a lot of depth. And, and, and I know SR Rugby is also going to increase the squad numbers. It was up to 45 up to now. I think it may go over 50, well over ah. 50 going forward. So, so yeah, uh, that is where they're going to need to get the depth. Yeah, and not underestimating... These kind of clubs like Benetton, you know, or maybe the Welsh clubs going forward. Yes, and we spoke to Coach Pine Pinar last weekend. He was telling us they had to hold trials so that they can have a curry yeah. cup team because <laughs> some of their youngsters were with the baby box also. And Ashfok, while we have you on the line, just other matters that you've been covering. I know you've been following Wait for Nekak for some time now. I hope your publication does send you to the Olympics if it's possible. But he's done it. Was there ever any doubt from your side? 
There was a bit of doubt, to be honest, um, because of what happened in his last race in Boston. Oh, yeah. We pulled up with with this hip uh, issue. Although he, I mean, immediately said afterwards uh, the next day on, on social media that is nothing serious. But you know, uh, saying uh, saying something is one thing and doing it is another. So since then, I mean, that was late May. It was now into June, almost three, four weeks later. He still hadn't run. And this was virtually his last chance to qualify for the Olympics in the 400 meters, uh, you know. So he needed to do it. And the champion that he is, he did it again, you know, showing his class. Uh, ran a wonderful race, went out fast, you know, uh, built up a good lead, although he was caught in the end by mm. Colombia's uh, Anthony Zambrano. But, you know, it was all about the time. And he, and he got the qualification, and now it's also some goal. Now he can really change his mindset of, he can get rid of that pressure of now qualifying for the Olympics and now actually devise a whole strategy to retain his, his gold medal. Yes. Did he, did he slow down though or was he just caught or maybe he didn't have the legs because it was his first 400 meter race in a while? Yeah, I think it was more the legs than, than, than the slowing down. Uh, he was going for it right, right to the end and mm. dipped on the line as well. But you know, as you say, his first 400 meter of 2021. Um, he's going to run again in Lucerne, Switzerland, I think on the 29th of June. Mm. But he said he might do the 200 or the 400. He's not sure yet. But, uh, you know, so he could even still qualify in the 200 if he runs the time. The 20.24 is the qualifying mark for 200. So let's see if we can get in there. And then there will be a few more opportunities before uh, Tokyo to run one or two races in Europe. And he's run some good 200 times, eh? so you can't yes. put it past him also. Yes. No, no, he can. You know, on his day, it's all about if everything is right. Not only mentally, because I think mentally he's very strong. Yeah. I mean, he's had to deal with a lot of uh, issues in his career, injuries and, and others. Even the Olympic final 2016, yeah. he said afterwards that he had a bad back and he had a lot of pain and he wasn't even sure if he was going to run. And on the day, it just happened, you know. So, so if he can be fully fit, uh, uh, you know, he's always a threat. He's always an opportunity for gold medal, and and he's shown it before. He can run the times, and he and he's got the the, the determination to to go for it. So yeah, don't yeah. ever write off weight for Nikkei. He's been a nineteen eight four in the two hundred, and yes. before that Olympic final, I was actually I, I spent time with his family the night before we were in mm. Rio for that final, and they were saying they were worried that he's got a little bit of a niggle that is telling yes. them about. And if I remember correctly, he was strapped a little bit, and they were even worried that he was in lane eight, but he still ran a. 4303. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, 44.56, solid time. But now, of course, you would want to go a bit quicker, get uh, just psychologically, if he can run maybe a sub 44 before he gets to Japan. You know, that will just give him that confidence because I think the world leader is 43.85 by an American mm. Randall, someone. So, so, you know, if he can just get over that next barrier. Um, then, then it's all, uh, you know, then the gold medals on the court. And Casta, not so fortunate though. She was far off that fifteen ten. Yeah, she ran, I think, a fifteen fifty seven. What does that tell us? Yeah, fifteen fifty seven. You know, uh, look, the field wasn't great. Uh, I know the the, the winner ran fifteen thirty four or something like that. So mm. that was also way off the qualifying time of fifteen ten. So she needs. I think Casta needs a strong field, a really world class field. Those ladies had run 1445s and those kind of times, you know, to really, really push her because, you know, it's, it's, I think it's one more chance uh, in Liège, in Belgium, uh, the 30th of June, although the cutoff was initially set for 29th of June, so I'm not sure if that is going to count, but, uh, you know, if she can do it, she would need a strong field in, in Belgium 
to really take a there because you know at the moment uh, I wasn't able to see this race that she ran in Germany now mm. but um, you know it's all about who do you have in the field if you uh, long distance if you're running up front on your own it's a really really tough gig so you know let's hope that they can be a strong field and that we can still make it to Tokyo. Uh, finally I know you've spoken to Casta's agent that's based overseas yes. how are they feeling do they think that she's got a chance because I know her former coach Michael Seme was saying that he doesn't think she'll make it. Yeah, it's a tricky one, you know. Um, uh, it depends on the day, the conditions. Like, they, they organized this race in Durban a few weeks ago mm. where they were really confident that she was going to do it there. Then on the day, the, the, the weather conditions turned. So it started off a nice day. Then suddenly, late afternoon, before a race, the wind kicked up. And, and, and half of the time, uh, on the 400-meter track, she was running into the wind. So that totally threw her off. Of, of the qualifying mark, you know. So, uh, so a lot of factors that goes into that kind of thing. I've spoken to Jean Fester as well, a former mm. coach who's now of Athletics South Africa Track and Field Commission. He still has confidence that she can do it. But, uh, yeah, there's so many factors. It's not like an 800-meter where you can just go for it on your own and run in front and just sprint, you know. A mm. 5,000 is tactical. You've got an endurance and your speed towards the end. So, and she hasn't done it. Before. She hasn't run it before. You know, she's not used to that distance. So, so it's really, really difficult. Okay, Ashfaq, always a pleasure reading your stuff and talking to you. Thank you very much for always being available to speak to us on SAFM. Thanks, thanks, Tabiso. Thanks, Ashfaq, Cape Sports editor. Do follow him on social media also at uh, Ashfaq Mohammed. There, he writes for IOL also, and if you. Get the star here in Jobek. That's where I read his stuff. It's Ashfaq Mohammed on Twitter. He's always up to date with what is happening in the world of sport. Especially, I've loved his build-up to the Olympic Games. It's really been fantastic following Wade, for example, the injuries, the challenges moving to the U.S. And up until now that he has qualified for uh, the Games. So do follow him there. And let's hope he goes to the Olympics, man. Anyway, um, we're going to end the show by talking golf. We did preview the US Open with Dave uh, Usendorf last week. He gave us, he told us that Louis Ostezen probably has our best chance of winning there. Uh, there were a few other guys that he liked also, but that didn't happen. Still that long wait, nine-year wait for a major from a South African. We, still, we are still waiting. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. But let's get former pro and uh, golf commentator Dell Hayes just to get his thoughts on the thrilling action from Tory Pines. Dell, thanks for speaking to us and thanks for introducing us to Dave last week, by the way. No, it's a pleasure. Pleasure. I'm glad you enjoyed him. Uh, he was brilliant. How should we look at it uh, after what happened yesterday? Or should we be gutted for Louis or encouraged by his performance again? You know, I think we should be we should be very happy for him. Mm. But I'm sure he's a little bit gutted. I, you know, for John Rahm to birdie the last two holes to beat him, I'm sure he's he must be sitting at home and saying, "What do I have to do to win another major?" You know, I'm so close now, so often. And uh, I mean, yesterday he really did play good golf. I mean, unfortunately, his tee shot at the 17th was pulled to the left, and he really hit it in the only place that you shouldn't hit it. You know, there's plenty of room on the right-hand side. So that, that was a, a, a bad shot. And, it, you know, that, that let him down and that cost him the U.S. Open. And is that the shot he should look back at? Because that's what I wanted to raise, that tee shot on 17. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that was a costly shot for him. And, you know, if he'd made four there, you know, I think the, you know, the worst that he would have done was get into a playoff. 
which mm. obviously would have happened, um, uh, you know, and, and then it's a 50-50 chance. But, you know, let's, you've got to give all credit to John Rahm. Birdie, yeah. birdie, those last two holes, unbelievable. That putt at number 18, unbelievable. And he, um, I'll tell you now, you know, he was my, he's been my pick all year. Oh. I said that John Rahm is going to win a major championship this year, and thank God he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> and on Father's Day too, John Rahm, perfect timing there. Uh, but Louis is now a six-time runner-up at the majors, Dale. What do we read into that? That is, that is an unbelievably good golfer. Mm. That's all you read into it. You know, he uh, um, he's now ranked number 12 in the world. Yeah. And, and Tenth in the FedEx that, Cup. That's probably high for, for, for the way he's played. You know, I mean, I would say that Louis is in the top uh, four or five golfers in the world today. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, this year he's had an unbelievable year. He's been second three times this year. Mm. Um, he's played phenomenal golf. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, we should all be very, very proud of him. And, you know, from his point of view, he's just got, you know, he's just got to get another one over the line, which is, golf is a strange game, eh? You know, you look at, you look at, for example, Phil Nicholson. I think he's had yeah. six runners up just in the US Open alone. Um, Greg Norman was the best golf world for, uh, he was number one on the world rankings, I think, for six years. You know, he only won two majors. Um, you know, so, Golf is a strange game, and you know you need a little bit of luck, and you need you know you need to play good golf at the right time. Louis is playing at the right time, but there's always just one person who's playing just a teeny bit better than him. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you like about his golf at the moment? Because he was even second at the PGA Championship last month. And what what do you like about how he's playing at the moment? You know, if you look back both the PGA and this week, you could say that he missed a couple of important putts. But I think generally Louis putting is far more consistent now than it's been in his career. And I think that is the secret to his consistently good golf that he's played over the last couple of years, is that his putting now is much more consistently good. He's always had a great golf swing. He's always, from tee to green, been a wonderful player. I think it's all down to his putting. It's just a little bit more consistent than it's ever been. Another guy that Dave liked last week was Brendan Grace. He felt Brendan could have a good major here. He wasn't too far off because he was eventually tied for seventh. Do you think it's coming also for him? I think, you know, Brandon, Brandon has won this year in America. And, um, you know, now after yesterday, he shot 67 yesterday in the last he round is. to uh, finish seventh. Brandon Grace is, is a terrific player. Watch Brandon Grace for the, for the Open Championship at uh, Royal St. George's. Mm. That, of course, suits him down to the ground. He drives the ball low. If the wind blows, Brandon Grace could be a factor there. How encouraging is it to see Charles Schwarzel finding some form, making the top 20? Again, Charles Schwarzel, you know, has uh, shown a lot of improvement. Charles has been struggling with his driver over the last few years, and he's got his driver back on track. He's also started to putt a lot more consistently. And, you know, as you say, he's... Uh, his scores are showing it. He's, he's playing. He's played the last few tournaments. He's played really nice golf. So, uh, you know, it's nice for us not to just have one player yeah. or two players with a chance to win majors. You know, right now we've got uh, we've got Louis, we've got Shaw, we've got Brandon Grace, we've got Dylan Fratelli, the youngsters coming through, uh, Gary Kingo and Vilka Ninova. You know, our golf in South Africa has never been in a better place. And that was going to be my next question, Del Hayes, about what's led to this turnaround and how much credit must go to the Sunshine Tour also for producing these golfers. 
Well, firstly, we've got to give credit to Golf RSA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they started up a, um, a squad of, of young girls and young boys mm. um, who, who they give them opportunities to play in tournaments. They look after the equipment. They look after coaching. They look after all those kind of good things. And uh, that is, that, the money for that has been put up by uh, Johan Rupert. Mm-hmm. So big thanks to Golf RSA and Johan Rupert for that. Then the next step from there is they turn professional on the, on the Sunshine Tour. Well, the Sunshine Tour, when you think that in South Africa we have 140,000 registered golfers, in America they have 26 million. And you look at the fact that, you know, we had all those tournaments at the start of the year. I mean, the Sunshine Tour players really got looked after unbelievably. With what South Africa is going through economically with COVID, um, to have those tournaments for the players to play in was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, all credit to the Sunshine Tour as well. And just finally, your impressions of the overall tournament, the US Open, I know the final day was thrilling, but did the other three days live up to expectation? You know, you know, uh, Torrey Pines is not one of the great golf courses of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they play the US Open there because it's a public golf course, it is a very good golf course, and it's in the right part of America to have a, to have a major championship uh, like the US Open. But the one thing it, it, it showed both times they've had it there, it's brought out the best golfers. Mm. Tiger Woods won last time. John Rahm won this time. Um, so, you know, it, it is a golf course that, uh, that shows off the very best players. Okay. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, Rory McIlroy, how he started the back nine yesterday. I thought Rory was going to be a, a real factor mm. in, at the end of the, this U.S. Open. And obviously, I mean, the most amazing thing about this U.S. Open was um, Bryson DeChambeau. Yes. Out in 33, back in 44. Because <laughs> he was up there in four under with the rest of the leaders. Him and Bruce Kepka looked like they were going up that leaderboard last night. Unbelievable. And it just shows again, golf is the strangest game. You know, in golf, if you don't love the game enough, you'll never really enjoy it. Mm. But if you love it too much, it'll break your heart. And DeChambeau's heart is broken today. Do you think the way he's playing is sustainable? I know you've had your reservations about how people were saying he's taking over the spot of golf with the way that he was playing and the power hitting and all of that. I, you know, I, I like the fact that he's, uh, that he's questioning everything. He's looking at every single aspect of the game and he's saying, is there a better way of doing things? I like that. I mean, you know, all credit to him for doing that. However, I think what he's doing is is suitable on some golf courses, mm. and I don't think it's suitable on other golf courses. And I'm not sure how his body's going to hold up with the way he hits a golf ball. When I mm. say it's not suitable, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my head on a block here, <laughs> he will not be a factor at uh, Royal St George's in the Open Championship. Okay. That golf course doesn't suit him. He will not be a factor there. And if he wins there, make sure that you phone me and tell me. Nice one, Dell. Thanks, but we'll look out for Brendan Grace at the Open. Always wonderful to speak to you, Dell Hayes. Thanks for speaking to us. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. They're looking, just wrapping up the golf there. How exciting was that? Uh, okay. I don't know what song is doing here. Were you watching the golf song as
Oh, he says Louis lacks temperament. Oh, wow. So guess well done. You're watching the golf. Yes, that shot of the 17th was very disappointing. And you could see it was going downhill from there. Okay, you can discuss more golf on the show um, with your friends, KGM, and the rest of your listeners. But we're going to have to leave it here because it's 8 o'clock. Let me just give you an update from the cricket. What is happening in St. Lucia between the Proteas and the West Indies? It is day four. The Proteas have set the West Indies 324 to win. They've now got them on 158 for eight. So the wind is near another 166 runs, but I don't think that matters. What matters is that the Proteas need two more wickets here to complete a 2-0 series whitewash against the West Indies in their test series there at the Darren Semi Cricket Ground. Okay, I'll be, we'll be back tomorrow then. We have to go to news now. It's 8 o'clock.